You're listening to Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders, brought to you in partnership by JCI Santa Clarita and RK Studios. My name is Corin Young. I'm the host of this show, and I'm here in the city of Santa Clarita council chambers for a very special show. I'm joined here by uh, the mayor, Mr. Cameron Smythe. Thanks, Corin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good. To, it's cool to be in here and have uh, like full access to the uh, council do like, chambers. Do you like you know, sitting up here on the dais, you know, and, uh, like, like you're a council member? I, yeah, and I wanted to make sure we were at least six feet apart. We are definitely so that. Took the furthest seat uh, from you. And who, whose seat am I in? Am I in uh, Marsha McLean's that seat? That would be Councilmember McLean's seat, yeah. uh, at least for now. We'll see if that changes on Tuesday with our rotation. But yes, that's Councilmember McLean's. Yeah, I was wondering about that because uh, today is your last day as mayor. Um, tomorrow... Uh, Councilmember uh, Bill Miranda becomes mayor, right? Do you and him just switch seats, or do you play musical chairs and do a whole rotation? Yeah, no, and you know, I know that that's sometimes a little bit confusing for people uh, the way Santa Clarita is is set up. But uh, when we incorporated the the voters, decided they didn't want a directly elected mayor, uh, and so uh, the system was set up that's still in place now that the voters select the five city council members, and then. The mayor is selected amongst the five of the council members, and uh, we have a, an annual rotation. And uh, come uh, tomorrow night, uh, Bill Miranda, who is the mayor pro tem, as you said, will uh, transition into the position as mayor and will be the first Latino mayor in, in the city's history. And uh, so as part of that rotation, then we will vote uh, for a new mayor pro tem uh, who would then be uh, in line for uh, you know transitioning to mayor a year from now. So uh, then once you do that, you know, the, the only seats that are official are you know, obviously the mayor's here and then the mayor pro tem uh, is the one to my left. I gotcha. uh, and so then you know, the rest of the council is just kind of sprinkled in. So you wouldn't necessarily play musical chairs. Somebody else, the mayor pro tem, would get that seat. Correct. So unless I went to becoming mayor pro tem, which I don't anticipate then right, Bill and I wouldn't switch. So I'll uh, rotate around and we, with uh, Jason Gibbs being elected, mm -hmm. uh, we'll have a new council member. So uh, we'll have uh, a, you know, a little bit of musical chairs uh, tomorrow night. Right, so he won't necessarily be taking Bob Keller's seat. He'll, he'll be wherever. Correct, correct. So. Interesting, okay. I, I think I'm gonna choice. I'm gonna use my uh, seniority. It's like picking an office in Congress, you know, the seniority gets choice. So I think, you know, I'll, I'll pull that on Jason and so he gets whatever chair is left. That's, that sounds pretty fair. Absolutely. Okay, so for, for those that don't know, uh, Cameron Smythe is the mayor of Santa Clarita. He has been on our city council, uh, first elected in 2000, uh, has been elected uh, four times, including just a month ago, is that right? Or so uh, this would be my, yes. Yeah, it would be my fourth election to the council. I was just thinking that it was yeah, just finished up my fourth term as mayor and have been elected four times. Obviously, yeah. with a little bit of a sabbatical in between those right. terms. Yeah, in uh, in two thousand six, right? You uh, uh, left to join the uh, California State Assembly for uh, California District thirty eight as our assemblyman for six years. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, three, th all three terms. You know, term limits have changed since I left, but when I was there, uh, the the seat was for three two year terms. Oh, how cool. Okay, so you got you got the reelected twice. I which did is the maximum. I did, I did. So and uh, so in 2012, as I was termed out, I decided not to uh, seek any elected office at that point. Um, you know, I have three young. Well, they're not as young anymore, but at the time, I had you know three very young kids, and uh, you know, I had spent a lot of time away uh, during my time in the legislature. So it was important for me to come back 
and uh, kind of reestablish myself as a father yeah. uh, and as a, as a husband and uh, join the private sector. And, uh, and, and that's what I did. Cool. Well, as this show is about um, leadership and getting advice for tomorrow's leaders, I wanted to talk to you because this is obviously something that uh, you know a lot about as an elected official here in Santa Clarita and also in the state. And I would imagine that that started long before uh, 2000 when you were first elected uh, in, to the uh, city council of uh, Santa Clarita. Uh, how did you get started in uh, leadership positions? What was your, your start there? So I, I think I, you know, I, probably had a little bit of an advantage over many of my peers uh, in that uh, my father uh, was a, in a position of, of leadership, uh, sometimes a little too much leadership for me uh, as growing up is uh, having your dad as the superintendent of the Hart School District. Uh, you know, when I was growing up here and went to Peach uh, Placerita and, and, and Hart, you know, having your dad being kind of the boss of uh, your, your schools and when you're uh, you know, going from 13 to, you know, 17 or 12 to 18, you know, that that's kind of a tough, uh, a tough range. But uh, I realized as time wore on that I picked up a lot about leadership, uh, you know, from my dad uh, and not necessarily uh, directly asking questions, but, you know, just kind of learning and observing uh, how he interacted, uh, how he was able to uh, stay as the superintendent for uh, almost, you know, for 16 years uh, you didn't really appreciate that uh, at the time uh, until now that in my professional life, seeing you know how difficult that is to uh, we, to manage a school district and a board, um, and also uh, my first uh, job in politics was working for uh, the state assembly member and state senator from this area, uh, you know Pete Knight, who mm -hmm. uh, was also a, a colonel you know, in the Air Force, was an astronaut. Uh, and so I had two very good mentors about uh, about leadership, and then certainly you always adopt your own uh, your own style and what works for you. Uh, but I, I definitely had a good advantage with some uh, some good teachers. Yeah, you know, I uh, I know before your dad was uh, superintendent of the Hart District, he was principal at uh, Placerita, right? He and was. So that's what. It's that, another leadership position. Yeah. Well, that's what brought our family to Santa Clarita. Actually, uh, before the year I was born. Uh, my dad was uh, offered the job as a principal at Placerita, and um, it's kind of fun, you know. My uh, you know, my two of my kids have gra have graduated from Placerita as well, and uh, on a couple open houses, they they lay out all the old yearbooks. Uh, so I was able to to show them the the yearbook from you know when my dad was there. Of course, they were more interested in finding my seventh grade picture, yeah, of course, which I did not want them. To, you know, I tried to hide those yearbooks, but. Uh, they got to see, you know, you know my dad uh, when he was the the principal there. And in addition to uh, working in the uh, school system, he was also on the city council here, right? From the mid '90s up until uh, when, like he was. Yep, he joined uh, the city council after he retired from the Hart District uh, in 1992. Uh, he then was uh, elected to the city council in uh, in '94. And uh, kind of the joke, he got the nickname of Landslide Clyde uh, because he was elected by a total of 16 votes, uh, got him elected to the city council. And uh, in fact, on election day, he was only up by eight. Wow. So, so no one from that point on, no one could ever tell me uh, that a, their vote doesn't count, your vote doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, because the very first election that I was really involved with, uh, my dad you know, won literally by 16 votes. Yeah, that's... Uh you know, that's one family's worth. Uh, I heard a rumor. I don't know if, if you can tell me if this is true, but when I was in, uh, I went to Santa Clarita Elementary School for a couple of years 
and uh, nicknamed uh, Robot Park. I don't mm-hmm. know if that robot's still there, but they told me it was, his official name was Clyde the Slide. Is he named after your dad? <laughs> he was not named after my dad, no. Is there another Clyde? I, I think maybe it was. they just kind of rhymed it with Slide, you know, oh. but, you know, uh, there's like Clyde the Glide, you know, Clyde Drexler, the NBA player called him Clyde the Glide. So, yeah, but no, Landslide Clyde was my dad. Okay. Um, so I'm a member of JCI Santa Clarita, and we often talk about different members of our organization, uh, both uh, nationally and locally. And I know that you always come up as somebody who was uh, a former JC. And I actually only recently did the math because um, we, we just had our uh, 40 under 40 top 100. And when we look at the previous honorees, I think you were in the first class, right, in 2009. And uh, I remember thinking like, wow, they knew even back then that uh, Cameron Smythe was going to rise to greatness. But then I was like, wait a minute. He was elected. I was already in the assembly. Yeah, I don't have been two turns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, years before that. And then in the assembly, you know, years before that too. So um, so you, you kind of came back. What, in which years were you an active JC? So uh, I was one of the founding members of the, the organization. Uh, so, you know, that takes you back. Uh, you know, Late 90s, early 2000s. 98. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was honored with an outstanding Young California Award for the JCs you know, in the early years. And uh, I think it's it's amazing to see that uh, the organizations continue to grow and thrive uh, and and help develop the, the next generation of, of leaders you know, well after I've aged out, if you will, or uh, and uh, it's been great to see. Did, did you stay in until you were 40? Uh, I, I think... Uh, I probably did not, um, you know, once I got elected to the legislature uh, and all, you know, I, it was the time just wasn't going to work out. So I think I, I kind of rotated out after after that, once it really got up and going and uh, was, uh, you know, had a great leadership crew uh, to carry off that kind of first step to the first generation and then pushing it through. So I think I, I, I stopped becoming a member, I think, when I got to the legislature. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Which brings me to another uh, question. You got started in politics very young. You were 29 when you first got elected to this uh, 28. city country. 28. Gotta be. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess we got to be uh, that's right. accurate about yeah, that's right. it. And uh, even in the, uh, in the assembly, you were in your 30s. I was. So. You know, things are different now in the assembly because of, of term limits. But uh, yeah, there was... Uh, the year I was elected to the assembly, I was the second youngest member of the assembly at the time. Um, but uh, you know, as with term limits, you've seen a uh, you know, the the age has gone down. You know, the average age now. Uh, we the new uh, we have a new member who just got sworn in, who's 25 uh, to the legislature. So right. I, I think he is uh, the you know, maybe not the youngest in ever, but he's certainly the youngest now. Wow, how neat is that? Yeah, I, I, and I think it's important. I think you, you know, a state as diverse as California, uh, you don't only need regional diversity, or but I think having you know a diversity in age and and certainly uh, ethnicity and 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 gender and all that. You know, California is, is forty million people. With uh, the one thing I really learned when I was up there was truly how diverse and how you know separate uh, you know it is there in in California and. Um, you know, having representatives from all over the state with all different backgrounds, I think is great. Yeah. So you knew early on, even at a young age, you wanted to be involved in in politics. No, you know what? Honestly, no. Um, You know, I was never in ASB or or student government or any of that growing up. Um, When I graduated from college, I helped out on my dad's campaign um, and that kind of got me started. Uh, 
uh, and got me interested because I didn't I didn't have a job at the time and I was just kind of finding my my career path and uh, ended up really kind of getting involved with him and uh, got hooked you know so to speak and uh, ended up getting uh, getting hired as a staff member for the state legislator and uh, it kind of happened organically to be to be honest it, it happened early uh, but it was still very organic. Yeah. Okay. And and your your kids? Do they have political ambitions? I think they were involved in student government, right? Uh, so the, my younger, so my middle child, my younger son was uh, was involved a little bit. Um, it's kind of funny. You know, I think uh, they they like the idea and they like the campaigning. Everyone likes campaigns. Right? There's a lot of energy. It's very competitive. You, you know, a lot of hard work. You, election day is like game day. Uh, but four years ago, uh, when uh, I got sworn in the first time. Um, my, I think that cured my kids of uh, uh, of actually running because you know my son was asking me like, how long is this meeting going to go? You know, sitting here for a few hours. So uh, we'll see. I think they, uh, you know, I hope to pass along the the idea of service, uh, which both my parents passed on to to my brother and I. My brothers uh, chose to uh, go into the military. He's currently a, a colonel in the Air Force and. You know, I obviously chose this path, but that that idea of service came from my parents, who were both educators in the public system. My dad was in the military as well, and uh, and so I hope to to pass that on to my kids. Whether they choose to go through uh, the same path that I've chosen uh, is not really important to me, but that they take that uh, that heart of service and the importance of giving back. Yeah, I know leadership definitely runs in your family. I just recently found out when I was working on the uh, Henry Mayo Home Tour. Um, videos. I saw your mom's name. Uh, she's been involved in that for for a while, I, I think, right? For as long as I can remember, um, you know, the hospital was always very important to uh, to our family. Um, it, my dad was president of the the board at, at one point, and my mom was president of the home tour at, at one point. So uh, it's always been something that's been very important to them. So some, I know that my dad and now I get a lot of the visibility and, and credit, but. Uh, my mom sp- has spent her life as well giving back to Santa Clarita just in different ways. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, in the 20 years that you've been in a leadership position here uh, in the city of Santa Clarita, what do you think are your uh, your favorite things? What's something that you're most proud of? You know, I, I think once I, I made and kind of got the understanding that you just have to follow what you think is right. Uh, you know, you have a tendency, you know, anybody does when you're elected, you want to say yes. You know, you, you want to help people. That's why you, you usually get here. Uh, but you realize quickly that you just can't do that. Um, and so once you came to that, once I came to that understanding and kind of acknowledgement within myself, uh, it made it a lot easier uh, to cast some difficult votes um, I think about the first, the, the most difficult vote I cast early on was uh, putting our uh, our trash contract out to bid. It, it seems very local governmenty, uh, but you know that was something that was really difficult. Our uh, the, the time the local trash companies had uh, really been deeply involved in our community charities, you know, in donations and support. Uh, and as the discussion came up about you know putting it out to bid. All of those people who were supporters of mine and, and that I'd known over the years were in this audience demanding that we keep the contract as it is. And uh, it, it, 
it was not the right decision. The right decision was to put the contract out to bid. We did. Ended up saving the taxpayers $30 million over the life of the contract because it was the right thing. And so I think once you kind of get over that, uh, you know, that challenge, uh, it makes it a lot easier. But I, I also think about uh, being in the legislature uh, and being appointed to serve as the uh, chairperson of the Assembly Local Government Committee. Um, you know, as a Republican legislator, uh, I was in the minority. And to have the Democrat speaker appoint me to that position over a number of Democrat members of his own caucus, you know, really kind of validated why I went to Sacramento. I didn't go up there to uh, be a bomb thrower, to uh, you know, uh, you know, just sit and vote no on everything. I went up there to try to be solution oriented and to you know have that kind of validated by being appointed to. Uh, to chair you know, and to be the only minority party member to chair a major policy committee uh, really kind of reinforced that. And so I, uh, I took great pride in that as a validation for why I went to Sacramento to serve the 38th district. And that was the priority, not a partisan uh, policy, but what I thought was right for the state. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty hard for a uh, Republican assembly member to try to bully his way through a Democrat controlled assembly. It's not assembly. Uh, you know, that you'd be surprised how many try. But, uh, you know, it's certainly not, uh, it, to me, that was not my path. Right. Yeah. You pretty much know you have to work across party lines. If you want to get something done, you know, pretty, certainly uh, you know, as a member of the minority party. And I, I kind of made that commitment that if I was going to be gone, uh, you know, 100 nights a year away from, you know, I had a three-year-old and a nine-month-old at the time. And then my daughter was born when I was there. If I was going to be gone and, and miss so much of that, uh, I wanted to make it worth it. And... Uh, I would say that the you know, my very last night in the legislature, uh, there was a an issue about uh, timber. You know, I, what do we know about timber here in Southern California? But it's you know, obviously a, a main uh, industry in, in the northern part of the state, and uh, they were uh, two votes shorts. Wait, yeah, two votes short, and uh, I got a call uh, from the governor, Governor Brown at the time, and asked for my vote, uh, and. I thought, you know what, this is going to be the last vote I make in my legislative career. And I've got the Democrat governor of California calling me to ask for my vote. Uh, and I was happy to, at that point, then uh, give it and uh, you know, put the vote out, put the bill out and uh, be kind of the last vote of my career. So it was good. Uh, as an assembly member uh, in the state, when we're very like local centered here, you had to learn a lot about different parts of the state and different types of economies and stuff. How do you go about doing that? Again, you know, it, so much of it can happen happens organically, and I and I've shared this with uh, with Christy Smith when she went, Dante Acosta, you know, now Suzette, that you really don't know what's going to come up on your plate. Um, you know, I I had my ideas when I went to the legislature, and I thought, you know, I. I was prepared. I had served as a staffer for a state legislator six years in local government. I knew what I was what I was doing, but the issues that you face in California are so broad. Uh, and uh, I ended up again, chairing the local government committee that I never thought I would do. Uh, I co-founded the uh, assembly or the legislative animal protection caucus. I didn't realize I'd get involved in animal issues. I cast the deciding vote, you know, on a timber issue. Uh, you know, I co-founded the, uh, the, the, the Republican caucus energy economy and the environment work group, uh, things that again, you, 
I didn't have any idea about going in and I ended up taking a, uh, you know, a, a leadership role in these new policy issues. And, and so that's what I share with uh, not only the legislators, but I also, you know, talked to Jason Gibbs, who, you know, we were talking about coming in, you know, four years ago, I ended up becoming kind of the the lead policy person on cannabis uh, because of you know the proposition that passed in 2016 to legalize recreational cannabis in California that had an impact on the city so I ended up taking a uh, a role on cannabis policy I now chair the, the community's homeless task force you know things that again I wasn't as involved in prior to and and now I'm you know playing a lead role in uh, you know, the, the idea of creating our own local health department. So uh, you know, I tell Jason and anyone, just just be open. Uh, you have your ideas, what you think you're going to tackle, but uh, you know, the circumstances change and you, know, you have to be ready to respond to it. Now, how often does somebody on the city council have like kind of a dissenting view versus like everyone agreeing? Because I think if I'm not mistaken, we've got five Republicans out of five people on the city council. How often do you have somebody that says, you know what? Let's not do this. Can we discuss it? Well, I, you know, I would say, you know, the good thing is local government in California, county supervisor, city council, school boards, water boards, they are nonpartisan. Uh, certainly people have their party registration. But if you look on the ballot uh, for the city council race, it doesn't say, you know, R or D or green or independent like it would for Congress or the legislature. So you know, you are truly judged on your performance, you know, in, in a way, people can't cheat and say, well, okay, it's a Democrat, I'm voting for all Democrats, I'm Republican, you know, I don't know them, but they're Republican, I'm going to vote for them, you know, it, it forces you as an elected, you know, to really work on the issues and as well as the voters, you know, because you can you don't have that uh, kind of that lead to or an indicator of, of who you might, uh, who you might support. So, uh, and most issues are real that we deal with here are not partisan issues. Right, so, there's, there's supposed to be nonpartisan. Correct. But like you know, lately, land, everything's going to have it, it some is, kind of a, a slant. It is, and we certainly have had our, uh, you know, had our discussions and, and our, our disagreements on on issues. You know, I, I mean, we, you go ahead and take, you know, the cannabis policy one. Uh, you know, I was one that felt that uh, you know, there are ways that we could have. Uh, cannabis policies that weren't just an outright ban. Uh, but I was on the losing, you know, on the short end of that, uh, of that kind of vote. So uh, there, there's plenty of issues, you know, while we, but most importantly is all five members truly love this community. And I don't question any of their motives on their votes, because I know that they believe they're truly doing what they think is right for the city. And, and that's, uh, I can live with that. Yeah, well, that does bring me to another question. Uh, with a city that's so kind of split down the middle um, as far as party affiliation, like when you look at the, the latest uh, congressional race, it was like ended up being like 50 point something to 50 point something, right? Like I, I think even like a couple decimal points over. Uh, so we're right down the middle. How do you make sure that you are able to represent people on both sides? So again, what I've learned um, and and the way I try to govern uh, is I have my core beliefs and whenever people ask me about an issue or I'm casting a vote on an issue, uh, I do the best I can to articulate why I've taken that position. And I've learned that if, if people, even if they don't agree, that you've taken the time to hear their position, you know, and kind of digest their policy 
and and then respond that if you can't agree and why you can't, people at least respect that you've taken the time to be heard mm-hmm. and that you have you know, you've provided a, a forum for their position and you know you've given it a, a good faith uh, you know belief and uh, a good a good faith study and uh, I, I I've learned like I am you know these are my policies this is my vote uh, and you know, people. Our system allows all of us to be uh, under public review, a job performance review every mm-hmm. four years. And uh, if they want to go a dire- different direction, they certainly, uh, people certainly can. And, and, I, and I think that, that you have to kind of get to that point. But it is important, I believe, that you're authentic uh, about uh, your position and your beliefs and, uh, and the reason why you're voting the way you are. Has there ever been a um, position that you've held that years later you've kind of change your position? Sure. I, I think the issue of homelessness uh, is one that uh, I, I've really, uh, as I've studied over the years and become more depth in depth in the policy and understanding uh, you know, the the reasons for homelessness and, and, and the circumstances, um, you know, that is very much changed. And when I was first on the council, uh, you know, every year it was a, it was a law, it was always a debate about where the temporary shelter was going to go, uh, you know, and, and there was always uh, contention in the audience. Um, and over the years, uh, the, the fact that last year we voted for a full-time year-round shelter uh, in Santa Clarita, and there was no opposition, uh, really, I think, spoke to how uh, the narrative on homelessness has changed, uh, not only with me and the council, but also within the community as people have begun to understand uh, understand it more. And so I think that's that's an issue that I never would have thought I would be chairing the community's uh, task force on, on on homelessness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gotten to be a more uh, prominent issue, I suppose. Um, has there been any uh, decisions that you've made or anything that you've done uh, in your 20 years or even in your time in, in the assembly that you look back and say that wasn't the right choice and can you do anything about it later? So in the assembly, um, you actually can change your vote as long as the vote doesn't change the ultimate outcome. Oh, then what good is it? Right. So, well, right. And so you see that, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm sure uh, it, it's usually on you know, the opportunity, give you opportunity if you've inadvertently, you know, because in the, in the assembly, you vote electronically. Uh, so there are times when, you know, everybody, you know, when you, when you got hundreds of votes coming down in the last week that you may hit the wrong button on accident and not pay attention that you voted no or voted I, and, uh, there, there's the opportunity to. No, so you just press the other button. Well, the, the cl- once the clock runs out, then you have to go through a whole vote change and announce it, you know, publicly. And, uh, the, so I, 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 but I think on most, uh, you know, significant issues, whether it be here at the city or the assembly, I, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that I really did my homework. Um, but I think in the assembly, there's probably more than here in the city, because when you get to the end of session, uh, you're literally voting on, you know, four bills a minute. You know, I mean, it just starts. Wow, like I mean, that may be round. a little bit, yeah. that may be a little hyperbole, but it, you know, you're, you're getting through, you know, you've got to get through 150, 200 votes in a two day period. You know, you, you don't always know. Yeah, you can't possibly. And so you have to. You know, sometimes you're, you're you're relying on you know your your, your fellow you know, assembly members, or you're looking at your analysis, and you know, sometimes you're just not always gonna uh, gonna be there. So, um, 
but I will tell you, you know, a good lesson to me was was very early on, uh, one of my first committee votes uh, in the assembly. Um, I had promised a uh, a legislator that if they had uh, taken the amendments, uh, I would vote for the bill. And you know, sure enough, they they took the amendments, which was fine. But then, one of the Democrat members wasn't going to vote for the bill or was left the committee hearing. So they were one vote short. And so now it was, I had committed to vote for this because they took my amendments, but I, I did it not thinking that I would be the deciding vote, you know, that the vote would already go out. But, you know, I had, I had made my commitment and it was, I mean, it was literally the first, probably the first week. And I knew that people were looking at that and that was going to set up people's perception of me that I committed to something and then the first chance I get, I back out. And so I, I made the decision to vote for it because I committed to it and I put the bill out and, you know, <laughs> right off the bat, there were people were not pleased within my own caucus and others, but I, I said, look, I gave my word. And, you know, I, I have to honor that. So it was a good lesson and it's a good reminder that, you know, and I tell everybody, you know, don't commit, you know, don't ask for amendments to a development project, a committee bill or something if, if there's no chance of you supporting it. Because I genuinely believe if you ask for something and then they accept it, then you have to follow through. Right, that's the deal. That's right, the that's, compromise. And, and I don't, you know, I have no problem saying, look, or with somebody saying, look, I'm never going to get there. You know, there, I, I just fundamentally disagree that, you know, with this policy and I'll, there's never, you can get there. And there are plenty of times when I feel that way too, but you got to be honest and, and tell people, hey, uh, up here, you got to find your three votes somewhere else because I'm not going to get there. So, so what happens then when people are calling you and asking you for something? Are they just trying to no, convince I, I, you? No, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I have a real open door policy, and you know, anybody that has a project before the city or something, they they absolutely should come and talk with me and, and walk me through their their proposal. And you know, I'll certainly provide feedback, and um, you know, I'll, I'll let them know that I'm going to probably gonna be asking some questions about X, Y, and Z, you know, during the hearing. But you save all that for the public environment in the public hearing yeah. so that, you know, people can see where you're coming from and, and the questions can be asked and answered in a public forum. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's good to know because I've never seen how any of that stuff works. Uh, I wanted to ask you specifically about this year. Uh, 2020 has been a rough year for everybody individually, for their businesses, for, for the cities. How, how is the city of Santa Clarita doing as a city? So it's been, certainly, uh, we haven't been immune uh, to the to the impacts of the pandemic, uh, either uh, you know with uh, you know those people who have been infected, residents that have been infected, or businesses that have been impacted, uh, and certainly our city budget uh, has has taken a hit. Uh, fortunately, we're not in a position like the city of LA that has talked about uh, major layoffs. City of Santa Monica that has multi million dollar deficits. Uh, we've been able to absorb. Uh, much of the, uh, the the economic hit without reducing any services to the to the community, whether it be uh, our our streets and roads, our, our graffiti abatement. Um, you know, we've always been able to keep our parks and trails open. 
the, the, the turf continues to be renewed. Um, the, the trails continue to be cleared. Um, so we've really worked hard to try to maintain that level of uh, that standard that people have accept, you know, expect from us. And uh, quite frankly, we've moved forward on a number of uh, key capital projects that uh, I know people are, are looking forward to. Uh, we've got our uh, community center in Canyon Country uh, that will uh, continue construction on that. The new uh, fire station, uh, fire station 104 over in Golden Valley, that was open this year. Uh, the new sheriff station construction continues on, on Golden Valley Road. Uh, we opened up uh, the new senior center, uh, a new park up in Plum Canyon, the uh, first all or in the largest all-inclusive play area in Northern, Cal Northern LA County uh, was open this year. So we were able to continue to make progress uh, on projects, many, uh, several of which like the, the, the community center and the, uh, the sheriff station, you know, that funding had already been uh, approved. So uh, that money had already been allocated and out the door, so to speak. Um, so we look forward to 2021. We'll be able to open the doors on the community center, open up the new sheriff station, uh, things that were really still very important to the community. And if things, I mean, we don't know what 2021 is going to bring. If things stay kind of shut down until April or July, is the city able to afford to keep operating? Sure. We, we have had to put some things on hold. Um, one of the key issues for me was uh, the expansion of Central Park. Uh, we wanted to, and we have approved um, adding four new uh, sports fields at Central Park, kind of at the at the very end. If you if you go to the entrance to kind of the roundabout, uh, you know, you, and you push there into that area, there'll be uh, four new fields. Uh, that was on track, uh, but we had to put that on hold for you know, for this year. Uh, that may have to get pushed again, depending on uh, on revenue estimates. So we're tracking all of that, and uh, if we have to, you know, we certainly will continue to tighten our belt and just make sure that those core services that a city is, you know, is expected to provide, uh, that we're able to still meet that and, and still do that without having to lay off any staff or have any impact to, uh, to our personnel. This year, uh, in particular, with the uh, pandemic and everybody worried about uh, health restrictions and worried about their business and worried about justice, equal justice, uh, all eyes are on city council and on the mayor. How do you communicate with everybody during times of uh, crisis like this? So it's interesting. Um, you know, we and we talked about that a little bit internally when uh, when the pandemic started and, and when we signed our first emergency order uh, back in March. And you know the the use of you know our social media platforms uh, really has been a, a tremendous asset. Uh, aside from you know, your traditional media. Um, being able to host a a Facebook Live, uh, you know, on a moment's notice uh, to keep up with the speed of the orders, the transition of the orders, has really been a significant boost to our uh, ability to communicate directly and uh, to take questions live uh, from you know, those who are watching. Uh, you know, I know our communication staff has kept track, but it's uh, had literally, we've had several hundred thousand engagements uh, on our social media when I've been giving updates and platforms. I mean, at one point, we had eight thousand people watching a city council meeting uh, because they wanted to see us, you know, a, a vote on an issue. And I mean, it's just kind of that's mind blowing that eight thousand people are tuning into a yeah Santa Claus at home. They could, they could be watching Netflix city council meeting. Uh... And um, 
and I think it, it one of our uh, one of the lives I, I did, um, I think at one point it had over twenty thousand views, and uh, and I think people really during this time are are looking for information uh, and local information. Really, how do these orders impact my community? And uh, if the pandemic has done anything positive, it has really educated people about the role of local government. Um, I've always said that what happens in Washington, D.C. and Sacramento certainly is important, but it really doesn't impact your day-to-day -day life like what happens at the you know county hall, city hall, your local school boards. You know, that's where your day-to-day -day life is impacted. And I think a lot of people have seen that over you know the past several months, the critical role that local governments can play uh, in your, you know, again, in your, in your day to day life. So I always uh, wanted to be as honest as I could, uh, give timely, accurate information, uh, and to answer the questions, you know, and take questions and answer them uh, to the best I could. And, you know, sometimes not everyone liked those decisions. And, uh, and you know, we're kind of doing our last one today. And, uh, we decided to close it with our own version of mean tweets. And uh, so we've, you know, our staff has pulled some of the, uh, the comments from those who may not have agreed with some of the decisions and announcements I made. Uh, and so we'll be sharing those tonight as, uh, you know, as we try to bring a little bit of uh, levity to you know, what has been a, a challenging year for everybody. But as, I think as long as you get, you're authentic and you're straightforward and you answer the questions as honestly as you can, um, people can respect it. Yeah, you're not going to be reading our names with those tweets, right? Hey, they all know my names, right? So we'll see. I don't know. I haven't seen them. Fair enough. So this is going to be this is going to be a a kind of like a table read for those that do the that under you know, the watch Hollywood. So I'll be first time seeing the the tweets. So hopefully I uh hopefully I don't break down yeah. know, when I read them. So you were uh just reelected um actual landslide Cameron, right? And um, so you've got four more years, uh, at least, on the city council. What's what's next for you? Do you have ambitions to to go elsewhere? You know, I I always said that uh, when I ran four years ago that I wanted to at least do one reelection to the city council, um, and then kind of see what happens from there. I you know, and that's that's still where I am. Uh, you know, four years from now, two of my three kids will be uh, out of high school, um, and uh, we'll see what. To what what happens with that? So uh, again, I've learned never to. You know, I think there's the quote that kind of says, you know, man plans and God laughs, kind of thing. And uh, you know, if you had told me when I left the assembly in 2012 that four years later I'd be back on the city council, you know, I would have said you're you know absolutely crazy. I've done that. I'm, I'm moving on to other things. Uh, so I'm open to see what's happening. But like I said, I, when I ran four years ago, I knew that I wanted to at least do one more term on the council uh, and then you know, kind of see where, where circumstances are from there. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to chat with me today. Um, this is at Mayor Cameron Smythe. Um, so everybody, you are listening to Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. My name is Corin Young from RK Studios uh, in partnership with JCI Santa Clarita. Uh, you can catch this podcast on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes Podcasts, and Spotify.